If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Hey, everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And I feel like I'm coming back from the dead while saying that. And who other to bring back than Andrew Ramondi? Um, I feel like we're both like mummies. Um, I don't know, in that show, Walking Dead, uh, coming back from, from the dead. And we haven't recorded a pod. I haven't recorded a podcast since our preview podcast back in the fall. So, Andrew, welcome back to the pod. Yeah, thanks, dude. I was literally, I had your website pulled up and last podcast was preseason NBA, October 5th, October 15th, 2021. So like, it really does beg the question, what is this exactly? Is this a reboot? Is this a, you know, one off? Who exactly is is this for? But we've been, uh, I feel like you and I have both become increasingly engaged in the NBA over like the past month or so. And I think we just had a lot of conversations and takes that we wanted to share with each other. And uh, this is the best forum to do it. So thank you for giving me, giving me the chance to talk to you, bud. Yeah, no problem. And, and it's basically, I'm not letting this podcast die. This, that's pretty much all <laughs> that, that, that's all there is to it. It's just, I'm not letting it die. So maybe you just come back every six months or so. And we, we just hash it up and we just go on our take, take rant. So um, we are going to start off with talking about, and, and this kind of feels a little bit, I don't know how to put it, but maybe anticlimactic or um, like a stale note to kind of start off on with all the things going on with the playoffs, with the play-in games, um, all that type of stuff that's happening in the NBA. Paul George, uh, so we're recording this on a Friday before the play-in games uh, for the eighth spot, and Paul George just recently uh, tested positive for COVID, so he's not playing in the in the play-in game. Um, against the Pelicans, but we kind of agreed to talk and kind of wrap up the regular season with some of the most interesting storylines from non-playoff teams, and we felt like there was no other place to start other than the Lakers, so um, we're not going to go more than five minutes. I already told Andrew I'm basically cutting us off after five minutes. We can't have any 20-minute takes. Um, so I'm putting five minutes, I'm putting five minutes on the clock, Andrew, and we're going to just go for five minutes on the Lakers. So three, two, one, go. I, I don't know what okay. else to say. Let's, let's start the conversation this way. Cause it's a com or have this, let's frame it in this respect, I think. And I totally agree with you that yes, it does feel sort of, it's probably like a little past you for us to be having that like every NBA podcast already had this conversation, but because we're jumping straight from like previews to this, I do think it is important to set up because the Lakers were going to be seen as like that, team coming out of that like 
prime candidate for the team coming out of the West. So I think we talked about over text a little bit, and I wanted to kind of throw it back to you to, to try and hopefully succinctly talk about this is what exactly happened with the Lakers? Like, obviously Frank Vogel just got fired or is in about to get fired. I think you and I both are probably in lockstep in that, like his coaching wasn't really the problem. So why, why, how did we get here with the Lakers? Is it as simple as LeBron James missed a lot of games and Anthony Davis only played 30 something games? Is it, chalked up to the Russell Westbrook trade was a massive disaster or is it something or is it some more subtle combination of things right and I I'll be the first one to say I'll take accountability in saying the Russell Westbrook trade was not good for the Lakers and I was on the more positive side of things in our preseason pod and you're like I don't know Kev I I don't really see see it going down I could see the logic behind it but uh it seemed like you were pretty spot on with the uh Russell Westbrook take um in our preseason pod and I don't know if you got to watch the Anthony Davis post uh regular season I guess presser like to wrap up the season but he pretty much chalked it up to hey we just got injured and it was very fluky and we all got hurt and that was pretty much um, what ended up happening. And I, I think it probably has to rest at the feet of Rob Polinka, right? In terms of mm-hmm. roster management and roster construction. That's pretty much where I, I see the roster as it currently stands moving forward. Um, how do you surround this team with more talent for an aging LeBron and, I don't know. Do you call Anthony Davis injury prone at this point? Like, I know if you look at his career games in the past five years, he wasn't that injured, um, even though he yeah. kind of had that label. But this season was somewhat worrisome. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And I, I always like to – the basketball reference thing, when you kind of look at games played, this year it was obviously pretty bad. He only started 40 – and then the year before that, 36 in a shortened season. But prior to that, he hadn't been too bad. I think, honestly, really, the Davis the Davis health narrative isn't so much of a thing on its own, but taken with this sort of aging LeBron, and not in terms necessarily of quality of play. Like, you look at the stats, and it's like, what, 38 and 4 or something like that. So he's obviously getting it done when he plays. But clearly, LeBron's sort of ability to be, you know, there to do that for more than, like, let's say 55 games a season is going to probably be a question for as long as his career continues on. But kind of putting all that into camp, because one thing I wanted to tie back in the to tie back in the Westbrook thing, I was more negative on the trade than you. I said I don't know if I think I did say at the time I didn't know if it was better than just standing pat. For the sake of keeping this conversation short, I don't think we should go too far down that rabbit hole. But one thing I'll admit I was wrong on, and why I think Palinka does deserve the bulk of the blame here for the Westbrook thing is, I still thought they would be the best team in the West. Based on the principle, and I think this is one of the reasons Polinka brought in Westbrook, was based on this notion that Westbrook can still be a good 
a low, a good high floor guy. With him on your team, you know, night to night, you will be all right on the floor, even if LeBron and AD, one of those two, are injured. We basically got 82 games of Russell Westbrook, and they missed the playoffs. We were mm-hmm. like, I think the 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 thing that was incorrect was like the idea that Russell Westbrook st- was not necessarily. I think everyone, most people who know basketball, agreed that Russell Westbrook wasn't that player really anymore that so many had come to view him as but what was incorrect was that Russell Westbrook's still a good NBA player you know what I mean or Russell Westbrook can still be the engine of an okay NBA team with him as one of your three best players that was incorrect and now they're stuck in this very interesting quagmire because LeBron seems it seems like it would be a weird narrative shift for him to kind of move away from the Lakers, at least next year. It it doesn't seem like AD is really a piece that you consider moving. Is trading Westbrook for John Wall or something like that? How does that improve you? It does. It also one really thing we haven't met. One thing we haven't mentioned really is like the 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 role players the Lakers signed at the time. We kind of debated that back. It was seen as kind of Rob Polinka's assembled such a good cast. It turned out, you know, they were more on the aging and unavailable side. I mean, if you want to point out one of my bad takes, we can. You know, I was listening to our pod for a little bit of the Lakers thing for context, and you hear me call out Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn, Nunn, who played, yep, I'm pretty sure, that. zero games for the, <laughs> yep, for the yep. Los Angeles Lakers. So, you know, is it a matter of just kind of trying to get in better fit or making some sort of larger structural change? It will be interesting, but at the end of the day, the story here is really just besides your one championship – Basically, I think the story here is large. The continued, you know, dysfunction of the L.A. Lakers as a franchise and probably a little bit a conversation from another day. The one of the major black markets on LeBron's legacy, LeBron's legacy being a very hacky phrase to say. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the black marks being his continued meddling in roster decisions that generally don't help his teams in the long run don't work yeah don't work and we've pretty much hit so we hit five minutes about a minute ago but I wanted to let you go and that's pretty much all we're going to say because I pretty much agree with everything that that you put out there and it'll be an interesting offseason um that's pretty much all I have to say about the Lakers don't want to give them any more attention than we actually have to um because there's actually playoff basketball going on and they're not in the playoffs. So let's move on. Yeah. Um, and what I wanted to pose to you, Andrew, as we move on to yeah. uh, the playoff teams, um, and the playing games are going on tonight. So anytime uh, the listeners will probably know who the playing teams are when they listen to this podcast, because we'll post it probably, um, it'll, it'll probably come out on Saturday or so. So the playoff teams are going to be set. Is there is there a storyline that you're looking at? And I mean, I think one is pretty clear. Um, looking at the attention of my team, is there is there yeah. a team that you are interested in, or storyline wise, is an interesting fit? Yeah, well, to to 
to steer, uh, to try and find a good, we could obviously start with the Nets, or I could go in some sort of weird direction. I'd like to do Let's this. Go weird direction. Weird direction. Okay, well, I could go super, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go like, definitely, you know, top line, but not like super niche. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's just talk about this. Right now, the Vegas sports books have the Phoenix Suns as the favorite to win the NBA championship. Is that, is that, is that the conventional? And it seems like that's emerged as the conventional wisdom. Of course, the Suns were fairly handily the best team record-wise in the NBA. Should we be accepting it as a sort of, not fait accompli, but sort of accept that as the most likely outcome here? Or do you have more concerns, whether it be them getting out of the West or them you know, beating whatever team emerges out of the East. I'm interested to to know your thoughts because I think personally we haven't talked about the Suns that much, and I feel we haven't somewhat talked about torn about this. I'm I'm a little fifty fifty on it, but leaning more towards yes, it makes totally makes sense why the Suns are the favorites. Um, just in terms of they, I, I believe they went sixty four and eighteen this year, um, and mm-hmm. like that's an all time good record. Like one of the, like anytime a team breaches 60 and and gets in that mid sixties range in wins, that's close to being one of the best teams of all time. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying anywhere probably near top 10, but top 20 to 25 ever possibly maybe even like top 30 ish around there. So it like this team should definitely be getting all all the plaudits that it deserves in terms of okay they are the favorites to come um out of the west and and win possibly win the finals um i i, I do like the the construction of the team it, they brought back a lot of a lot of the guys from last year uh they have certain guys like Tory Craig that might supplement who knows like what um like Biombo and all those guys do in the playoffs but it's I, I just think the way that the team ends up working together is and they have that experience in place I I don't know like it to me it seems pretty clear cut and for I think the thing about the West is the other teams around them like Golden State Memphis is still fairly young Utah, Denver, Dallas, it doesn't feel like there's, I don't know, it doesn't feel like there's a natural second team to challenge yeah. them. Um, like Golden State might be that team, but they have so many concerns rotation-wise to me in terms of, we don't know when, like Steph is kind of a question mark in terms of coming back from injury. Now I'm sure he'll be yeah. fine when he comes back, but just in terms of, and, and, you know, maybe they have it in a bottle um, as like a magic potion type of thing where Steph, Clay, and Draymond can kind of tap into that. But they haven't really played a lot together at all in the past, what, two to three years? So yeah, it's just, it's a lot of like question marks from these teams that are behind the Suns and the Suns are so rock solid. Um Come and I feel like they're they should be the odds on favorite to come out of the West. 
I don't know. And real quick, you, what do you think? Yeah. No, but, and real quick, like, would you say that? Would you, if I gave you, you know, if I basically said you can have in a, you know, how like they'll do a generic ballot between a Democrat and a Republican. If you said you get the Suns versus the East champion, whoever that is, who would you like? Oh. And how much of a favorite do you think the Suns are? Like, are they a favorite against, you know, generic teams See, to come out of the East no matter what? Or does it or does it depend more to you? Like, are you I, are I, you kind of taking the field? I think it depends on matchup at that point, you know, yeah. because the I, I think I would take the field and that's probably where my 50-50 kind of feeling comes from it in terms of I feel so strongly about them coming out of the West or feel like they should be the ones coming out of the West. But against the East teams like Milwaukee, um, like even throwing my nets in there, that those are the t- – like even Boston, like the the hot streak that they had coming out of um, or probably over the past 30 games of the season where I think they went like 25 and five or something like that. Some ridiculous number like that. Um, and they were incredibly hot to end the season. Like even Philly, like there's four teams right there that I just threw out that could like potentially give the Suns pretty close series and and Milwaukee yeah. beat them last year so I think I think a lot of it stems from them not having done it yet that that as to why there's more questions um yeah and it is it is right. so interesting it is so interesting sort of how the Suns have I mean a, a thing to just note I think in general I was talking with a buddy about this the other day is it feels like the NBA right now is as almost as exciting and par- as much parody as there's ever been. But also right. it feels weirdly not, it feels like, it feels like the average, like my average sort of friend fan isn't paying as much attention to it. I think because there are so many question marks and the point I was kind of making re the Suns, given that is like, it's crazy how the Suns came from basically this out of nowhere, making the finals team last year to being, sort of the best bet in terms of consistency. And I think that's why they deserve their status as the favorite uh, for those reasons. I mean, obviously the Suns haven't necessarily had like pure consistency this season. Chris Paul went down for like two months, but they didn't really seem to miss a beat during that time. And Mm -hmm. as you've mentioned, they pretty much retained their, their core from last year and improved on everything they did well. Uh, Bridges has emerged as kind of a DPOY candidate and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, their defense has just been extraordinarily solid despite, you know, on paper having a seemingly fairly, you know, benign uh, makeup. Um, Mm -hmm. And you, you make a great point about the West. There being no natural number two. I agree with you that it's probably the Warriors and it's sort of interesting. Were the Warriors to make it out of the West, it would almost be kind of like a, it almost feels like it would be a swapping of narratives between them and the Suns a little bit, just in that, like Mm. the Warriors have these pieces and obviously for the Warriors, they've been around for longer, but it's kind of this idea of like everything coming together sooner than expected. 
kind of thing right. because you know the the warriors have relied on young guys really to uh to keep afloat like as you mentioned basically all of the big three Steph was you know very very good and an MVP candidate until he went down Draymond was electric to start the season but then has kind of been in and out of the lineup and then you kind of have Clay as this third guy where the feeling was always okay well when he comes back that this is that's when they'll sort of coalesce but it's been a little bit more choppy than that um, so sure. all of that is kind of a long wind way of saying is I agree with you that they're the number two, but I think uh, it's, it's harder for me to imagine everything coming to, you know, maybe, maybe they really should be more lumped into the fields. Like with it, like, is it that, does that much and not to like, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of these teams, but like, is it that much of more of a, does more require do more kind of boxes need to be checked for them to make it out of that many more boxes? Let, sorry, let me rephrase this. Does that, <laughs> do, do, do more outside things need to happen for the Warriors to make the, the playoffs or the Jazz to make the playoffs? You know what I, or the, to come out of right. the West. There, it's, I, I'm not sure the gap is actually as far as people think it is. So, uh, you know, it does sort of feel like one of those things where the Suns deserve their sort of status as the, as the contender. And then it's more like if things break right for any other team, they'll, you know, I wouldn't be shocked necessarily, but it is kind of, it's still like saying it out loud. I'm still fairly surprised we've gotten to this point, you know, especially given like, especially given a team we haven't mentioned that much is like the Grizzlies at number two, you know, once you like, yeah. I think it's taken things shaking out in a very specific way to get me to that point. And one of those things that's happened is sort of the emergence of the Grizzlies as this, as this contender, but that seems to be arriving a bit too early for them to be taken super duper seriously as an actual championship contender. Right. And, and, we we always we made the distinction in our preview podcast about it being all right we're this we're literally just previewing our regular season and what we think's going to go on in the regular yeah. season but there's this kind of uh the the mantra of playoff basketball being different and how yeah it 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 just changes everything and it's all about matchups and how teams match up against each other so let's dive into some of the matchups and see how we feel kind of moving forward. And I I feel like the big one, and this involves my team that we probably have to get into is the Nets Celtics series. Um, Yeah. And just in terms of like marquee matchup, I'm going to try to actually go to a game um, live just to see like how, how everything looks. Um, but do you like realistically, it looks like Boston is favored coming out of this and I'm checking FanDuel, um, right now, but it looks like Boston's favored coming out, um, of this series. Let me check. No, is Uh, that true? I thought the Nets were, I thought the Nets were like minus 140 favorites. So it swung the other way. Um, oh, interesting. Where Boston is minus one thirty, 
And wow, that's crazy. Lost, that must have been. I wonder if sharp betting. I wonder if a lot of sharp betting came in on the Celtics because you said I, you thought the Celtics should be favored when we talked the other day. I, I did. I thought they were were going to be a slight favorite, and maybe that's just where where my mind is at with this next team. Um, yeah, and 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 this boss and and I think it has two very interesting, compelling narratives in that. Yeah, is that and it's not like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not star players, and especially Tatum, where he's pretty much kind of taken that next step in terms of being whatever you want to call it, the alpha star. Yeah, this is but, such a funny. This was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Keep going, keep going. I just but I want to it, put a pin in Tatum taking the next step really quick. Right, but keep going. But to me, it's kind of like, oh, can these two stars on the Nets, like Kyrie and KD, are are they going to be the ones to be able to carry this Nets, whatever you want to call it, depleted roster against uh, a team that I would say is looked at with their team basketball, uh, their analytics, like number one in offense, number one in defense. Um, The the point differential is – is as I think I read somewhere it's as good as a team w- record wise would be 62 and 20 um and they they were 51 and 31 and they were just terrible mm. in close games apparently mm. so I, so is is that team aspect going to carry the Celtics through or 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 is basically KD going to be KD Kyrie going to be Kyrie and basically take them to the second round. And I think those are the two compelling factors slash narratives at play here as to what goes on, which also makes it interesting in that it's not like Tatum's a bum or like, like a a team player or anything like that. It's just like, I don't think many people know how good he is on a national stage. If that makes sense. Like he's, you think so? That's interesting. No, well, like, of course. I think of people know he's, really he's am- amazing, but I think I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know if people necessarily believe it yet. Maybe because yeah, he's so that, young. Maybe. But, well, maybe I like well because the thing I was going to say it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You you've given me a lot. You've given me a lot to chew on there. Um, and one thing I th- by the way, before we move off the Suns real quick, I want to point out that no one was perfect in our wins pool. I think we both made some good picks and some bad ones, but I did somewhat reach to take the Suns second in our um, yep. in our wins pool for the West. So I wanted to give myself I, I some, did. some credit for that before we moved so, off of that. Yeah, let me let me talk. Let me actually give you the the final total then of the wins pool. I actually came out on top 619 to 611. Um, wow. Because I think I was ahead with two minutes, uh, not two minutes, with like two weeks to go. So I guess those final two weeks of the season. I wonder if a lot of like the tank, the tankathon sort of stuff ended up not to shed any sort of diminished light on your victory. Congratulations. But uh, the close, I'm impressed by the closeness. Of it, but so, uh, so, I, I wonder yeah. how, in the last two weeks how how things shook shook out. Yeah, so just the power. Anyway. So I have it in front of. Oh me, yeah, go ahead. It's like so so I had Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly, who were 
the ones that ended up being probably the most uh, that really carried me through in the East. And then I had Chicago pretty late. And then I had mm. Memphis as like one of my like, ah. as like my fifth pick that really helped Interesting. Me. And I think that's really helping. Yeah. So I think those were the picks I think, did you get really the Warriors too or no? I did get the Warriors too. Yeah, so I think you too. you did hit on a lot of those. A lot. I think really the I was pretty good with the teams I was high on, but I was low on a couple, like especially the Sixers and uh, and the Warriors. I think were two teams I was low on that I was wrong about. But without, I don't want to get because you asked very good questions about the Celtics, and I sort of do have thoughts on this. It's sort of interesting, like in what I find, like the stuff I want to talk to you about. It's kind of interesting, like how my thoughts kind of drift to these teams, like the Celtics and the Heat, like, because I, because I feel like the Bucks and the Nets have been accepted as these kind of de facto contenders. And, and I do, I, and, and also because my priors, we've been podcasting about the NBA for quite a long time now. I think one of our first podcasts was about, whatever the Luca DeAndre Ayton draft. So we haven't, right. we have quite a bank of takes to sort of, and like thoughts and, you know, conversations to lean back on. And I feel like our Celtics conversations over the years have been very, very similar, sort of about mm-hmm. mostly about this question of Tatum taking a leap and this sort of question of like, does this team have enough to be like a true contender and sort of, I'll take both of those things in hand. The Tatum conversation is interesting to me. I've always been a little bit more of a Tatum, not necessarily hater, but a little bit more of a Tatum skeptic. And mm-hmm. the, the, I, it's clear that he has taken his game to like this level that is higher than where it was before. But I do wonder this question I sort of have is of this, of the Tatum leap of 2022, 21, 22 I just do wonder, is this actually a leap to some new level or is this a player who kind of continually makes the same leap every year or so, if that makes any Hmm. sense? Meaning it seems like he has always been a player who kind of has these, who builds to a crescendo by the end of the regular season and reminds us all, or reminds, as you maybe put it, the average fan that he is an all-NBA caliber player, basically. Right. Like, I'm sure if you look at the all-NBA teams, he mostly made has made them in the last, you know, three years mm-hmm. or so. Uh, yeah. You know, the question is, and maybe we will see that this year, the question I suppose becomes, you know, is he a fringe MVP? Can he prove himself to be a fringe MVP guy? Which, you know, I really don't know the answer to that. But I do wonder if a little bit too much is made of sort of the Tatum aspect of things, as opposed to kind of transitioning to the second part I was talking about, this team chemistry, especially on the defensive end. I, and that mm-hmm. is the thing I'm most interested about when it comes to the next series. Because frankly... Not going to lie, like, I find the questions about the Nets to be fairly boring. Like, the, 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 yeah. the number of outcomes, the, the point I'm sort of, the number of outcomes 
doesn't strike me as being that diverse. It's like KD and Kyrie are just that good and they carry the team to the finals or they're not that good. Or, you know, it's they, they don't have enough depth. They don't have enough other pieces and they haven't had enough time to sort of coalesce and they don't make it to the finals. You know what I mean? Neither of those yeah, outcomes yeah. I find particularly surprising. The Celtics thing, especially because I, you know, probably just watch less of them and feel less tapped in. The Celtics thing I find fascinating because they seem to be, you know, would you have rather had the Heat or the Celtics is an interesting question. I feel like the Bucks are a team you have, you, you would avoid, you would want to avoid. But the Celtics do, and that's why I suppose they're the favorites, seem to right off the bat have the defensive horses to throw at these guys you obviously have Marcus Smart who you would assume will kind of get the primary task of handling of handling Kyrie but certainly can be switched on to to Kevin Durant and hold his own hold his own Brown and Tatum both are fine defenders who you know will they be you know guarding Tatum uh, guarding KD like will they be sort of tasked with making these with exhausting themselves in that way and how often and in what sort of configuration from possession to possession will be fascinating. Obviously the loss of Robert Williams who, or uh, who I don't think, is he projected to come back during the series? Do you know? No, I don't think he is. I don't think his, I think, you know, his absence, how much did his presence mean to that defense? Uh, is it's certainly an interesting question. I tend to sort of skew towards the idea that in this series, as much it would ma- it matters way less in this series as it would have in a series with like the Sixers, for example. Um, yeah. So sort of, I I've done a classic Andrew ramble here, but I think to sort of wrap it up, like you know there, like you know I'm not really sure what the answer to the question is I think if were I a betting man and it does scare me that the odds have swung towards the Celtics to be honest because I think the average person would bet on the Nets you know I Mm -hmm. I because the Nets seem to you know at the end of the day I kind of fall back on last year with the Nets being this you know famously toe away from advancing past the Bucks, I think I am going to accept at least in the first round that talent will rule the day. But um, I am fascinated to see how these question how the quite these questions bear out. And were the Celtics to win this series, I think it would be time for me to start to certainly consider them as as a legitimate championship def- uh, contender as opposed to where I still currently default to putting them, which is this sort of second tier team. Yeah, and I think I think that's I think that's probably the most interesting question about the Celtics team is I think there's a lot of split in terms of how far the Celtics team can go. Um, yeah, in, in terms of. Some people like, and maybe it's the, uh, like just in, some people have them, you know, losing this round and not achieving what they probably could achieve if they weren't playing, playing the Nets, but, um, or have them going to the finals. And, and I think that's, since there's a wide discrepancy in terms of what, what the outcome is for the Celtics team. I think that that's why there's so much 
difference in opinion on this team. Um, yeah. And I don't, and I don't really know, like as a Nets fan, I don't feel great about this series. Like I it yeah. would have been like, I think I would have, I would feel actually more comfortable against the heat. Um, yeah. For whatever reason. Um, I think we're both also Celtics. just, I I think we're, we've also, it's hard. The heater have always been this team that like, I feel very uncertain about, but I feel like both of us have always defaulted on being lower than that on them. Then I feel like we've always kind of been a, we'll believe it when we see it team with the heat. So it, right. it does, it does make sense. Um, yeah. Go, but, just, yeah. It, it, hey, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, it's just fascinating because I am looking at the odds on FanDuel, and maybe they're different on other uh, other betting sites. But the Heat are actually number three at at plus seven fifty, uh, behind Phoenix and Milwaukee as the third favorites to win the finals. Which is oh yeah, to I don't me, think that's uh, on DraftKings. They are six, so there is a difference in opinion there. Okay. Okay. On DraftKings, so, so it goes Suns, Bucks, Nets, Warriors, Celtics, and then the Heat six, okay. which is more so, so, where I'd put them. I think I would put them behind. Basically, I would put like my top tier as sort of. I think I would just oh put my default to putting my top tier of contenders as like Suns, Bucks, Nets, and then in second put like Warriors, probably probably Celtics and then put maybe the Sixers and the Heat in like a third tier with some of the other mm-hmm. West teams. But, but it's, it's, it is we'll fascinating could be wrong. to hear you. It, it is fascinating to hear you pretty high on the Nets. And maybe this is, and, and like you're saying, it's, it, it is like kind of like that talent play and maybe what they'll, that rules the day um, in terms of Katie and Kyrie just carrying this team. Well, but I'm, I'm going to say, I, yeah, I wanted to give you, like, not to step on potentially what you were doing, but I wanted to kind yeah. of cl- – because I think it's – there's not that much to say in terms of, like, the case for the Nets making the finals. I think it's apparent. But I kind of wanted you to clear out and give you, like, two minutes for just, like, Nets fear cor- – like, Nets concern corner. Okay, so this is my Nets concern corner. I'm I'm far more concerned than you are about how far – like – there's to me there's real possibility this team loses in like six games. Um Okay. And 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 like you were saying, there's there isn't the, the worrisome thing is like there isn't there aren't other opportunities for this team to win. So it goes both yeah. ways in that you need Kyrie and KD to be good, but if they're not good, it's not like you're turning over to like Bruce Brown or whoever else is on the court sure. being like, all right, we need Bruce Brown to win us this game today. Um, he's played well, but it's not like there's other players on this team that I'm a hundred percent confident in, in terms of there being like uh, a Bruce Brown game. Uh, Joe Harris has been out for a majority yep. of this season. Seth Curry's kind of uh, dinged up. Um, and maybe that's the pathway where like Patty Mills and Seth Curry just rain a bunch of threes for one of these games where maybe Kyrie or Katie's a little bit off. But that's the only pathway I really see them to to getting a win when 
their struggles that end up happening. And and I like I foresee struggles against this Celtics team with the way they play defensively. Um, and of course, it's not like they're their chumps offensively either. Um, no, I was going to say the uh, a gigantic a gigantic Nets problem that we I had kind of glossed over was like how are they going to stop anybody basically? And right. it's not as if they're playing some poor like it's not as if they're playing even like for example the Sixers who like clearly have had these like offensive fits and starts even with Harden. Uh, like mm-hmm. the Celtics, as you mentioned, if they're the number one offense in the in the NBA, like efficiency stats wise, yeah, that clearly has to be a concern. It's because yeah, so given the, that the the major Nets problem is our defensive. Yeah, and the Nets are, I would say, I think they were like twentieth or something for the season. They're trending up upwards defensively um, towards the last, I would say, fifteen or so games once Kyrie. Uh, uh, once the mandate was lifted and he started playing a little bit more consistently, that that number went up. And then, you know, like we haven't even touched on Ben Ben Simmons possibly coming back from. Oh my fucking like, god! Yeah, Jesus! I know. As weird as this sounds, like the latest tweet I saw from Shams was maybe comes back game four through six, and I'm like, how are we gonna even how like? How is that even gonna play out slash happen? Like, yeah, I wonder if ten minutes. Yeah, or, I don't like, know. I, I wonder don't know if what's like plan for that. The ben, yeah, yeah, the Simmons, and we can't. Like, I'm sure we're already getting too in the muck uh, on this. The Simmons injury thing, and like how that, how his inj- how his post net sort of availability has been handled basically makes absolutely zero sense. And I wonder, given that tweet, like if he's mostly going to be like a break glass and emergency last, you know what I mean? If they're down three yeah. one or something like that, you just roll him out there and see what happens, which given everything we know about Ben Simmons, seems like a horror, you know, when you really want to bring out Ben Simmons, it's when the pressure is high as you know, all eyes, right. You know, exactly. His, his his performance, that seems like a horrible idea. Yeah, to be fair, I've mostly talked about this series with the idea that Ben Simmons probably wouldn't be playing. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. – as a Nets fan, I would basically see at this point, you know, if I, you had talked to me a month ago, it would be different, but I'd basically be seeing anything you get from Ben Simmons this playoffs as being just a bonus. And then next oh, year you'll sure. see them in their full construction. So, you know, I, I think – to not spend too much time on this, I think I think I think your points are are, are salient ones, and you've definitely like, like I definitely feel less stable in sort of just picking the nets here uh, as as I as I as I seemed because that counter narrative is is definitely there. I'm real quick. I'm also fa- like I if, for this series particularly and a guy I've always talked to about, I'm fascinated to see how Claxton plays into things and whether Nash, you know, whether Nash sees Claxton as a guy as who can, especially with, with no Robert Williams as a guy who can be that sort of hidden advantage or that guy to have, you know, the one game where you can win type thing. You know, uh, I, I predicted he would be in their closing lineup, and it seemed like he, he has been, or he at least was in some of those bigger games down the stretch. But I think there's this conventional wisdom that, like, with the Nets, you go small, sort of, and and mm-hmm. just make it work with, you know, 
Brown, you know, Kyrie K- and KD sort of playing that five with a bunch of smalls around him. So, uh, right. you know, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, in, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, to, to try and put a cap on it. So would you, if, if you were a betting man, are you saying like, it sounds like you're saying Celtics and seven, you're, are you going to do the sort of emotional hedge and, and actually, would yeah, you actually it, put your money where your mouth is? You know, like I, it's one of those things where like my head is telling me Celtics in seven, but like if the Nets are going to win, it's going to be Nets in six. And I, it's like, yeah. to me, it's really hard to see that playing out, but like, I'm hoping yeah. for Nets in six or seven, but to me, if the Celtics win in seven, like I, I wouldn't be too surprised. And that, yeah, is, like, that is the the most all time hedge <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to like I I will also say Nets and six. But after this conversation, I almost am fully expecting to be looking back on this this while thinking I'm an idiot and having you tell me, you know, I told you so or whatever. Right. So so I guess, hey, I wanted to can we can we do I, I don't know. Do you have another do you know have another series in mind that's really calling your name? Or I was trying to think of a way we could possibly group a couple of these teams together, and I thought maybe doing the Heat, the Heat and the and the Sixers kind of together would be and would or we could talk about the Bucks. I don't know who. What were you What were you thinking about? Okay, I, I think the Heat Heat Sixers uh, storylines are pretty interesting, so we could get into yeah. that next. Um. To me, like to me, like the other, like the flip side of that Simmons deal for me, the Sixers and how Harden looked pretty amazing that first week or so. Like, all right, yeah. he's rejuvenated and he's totally different. And like, wait, he doesn't have a, a beer gut anymore. And all these things ended up coming true for the first probably week and a half or so two weeks mm-hmm. maybe and then there was just like a lot more questions post yeah like the whole like it, it's almost like one of those things uh like new relationship where you're happy <laughs> for a couple weeks and then you're like yeah the honeymoon right, phase yeah that, that like really quick honeymoon phase but it was just like that pretty much played out within two weeks or so yeah, it's almost more like it feels like not to go ham on the metaphor. It feels like, you know, when like a couple like, you know, a couple and maybe they break up for a little while and you're like, oh, they were toxic. They needed to break up and they get back together. And like for the first week, you like the first time you see them out again, you're like, oh, it looks like maybe they've learned something. Maybe they're 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 maybe they're actually going <laughs> to yep. make it here. And then like they just fall back complete. Like after a week, you're like, oh, no, they're they're exactly back to, to back to where they went. That's sort of what it feels like with with Harden specifically. I mean, at the time, mm-hmm. the, the, the deal went down. You know, I thought, I, I don't know. I just, having watched Harden basically since last year's playoffs, it, 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 and I was always, I've always been higher on Harden. It just, it has striked me that this is a guy who has entered this phase of his career where he's just not as effective as, as he once was. And frankly, that, whether that bears out in this playoffs or not, or if there's kind of a return to that first week, 
those first week flashes of brilliance uh, remains to be seen. But at least in the way I'm considering the Sixers, I'm assuming that that latter diminished Harden is going to be what we're working with here. And because of that, I just don't, I just don't really see it for them. And, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I just don't, I don't put them in the class with the Bucks and the Nets. No, certainly. No. And I might even Unless, be apt to, and I might even be apt to take a team like the Celtics or the, or the Heat over them. Do you, do you feel similarly? Like, are we setting ourselves yeah. up to really get egg on our face here or, or what? Uh, yeah. The only one that could probably do that is if Embiid goes for like 40 a game, 35 sure. to 40. Like that's pretty much all. All I can really see, and I don't know, like even in this first round series against Toronto, dude, I like if I had to pick an upset, the, I would be yeah. picking the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, and then the whole like whole Thibault thing where he can't play in, <laughs> in Toronto, like not that not that he's an incredibly important, like he's not an incredibly important piece offensively. Not yeah, but, and he's like not. I would argue, I would argue real quick to butt in. Like, he's not yeah. as important in this Raptors series as he would be in, like, a Nets series, for for example. Totally yeah, because there isn't that one guy you can really key on uh, this like, yeah. Toronto team for him to, like, you just, like, put him on defensively to shut down. But it's, it, it, it is a worry, like, just to be one, like, one more man down in their rotation on away games. It's like... Oh man, like what is going to happen there? So it's going to be, and it's it's pretty much the Nets, same as the Nets question of like, can Embiid and Harden carry this this roster to to greater heights? And I'm not completely sure, especially with the way Harden is in in his current form, and then just playoff history or trauma, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the past where he really struggled with uh, certain certain things in the playoffs. Uh, and that's putting yeah. it mildly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for, for yeah, me, like, ahead. yeah. Oh, sorry, if you were finishing up. Sorry. We're, I've been, like, majorly on the cutoff. Keep, uh, no, no. It's I, I was going to say to, like, put it – to put it in, like, kind of a Bill Simmonsy. I'm at not talking about basketball, but, like – making a larger point like the the the, the Sixers team that it's just like the vibes seem really off already whereas at least with the team like the Nets even though they've been wonky all year it seems like they're sort of rounding into form and hmm. you know they seem confident like when you listen to KD and Kyrie talk in these kind of post-game interviews they seem to be fairly confident with where they're at whereas the the Sixers you just look at like Thing after thing seems, you know, I I have some Sixers fans on my on my Twitter timeline, and like DeAndre Jordan is, you know, playing as like Sixers fans are chanting for B ball, Paul, Paul Reed. Like Doc Mm -hmm. Rivers is starting to do his throw throw the guys under the bus press press conference stuff, you know. Embiid, I love Embiid as much as anyone. I mean, we'll get to MVP talk down the line. Spoiler alert, he's not my MVP, but, you know, mm, he, he doesn't okay. – I don't think of him as, like, a guy with any personality problems, but it doesn't seem like that Harden, you know, Embiid fit has had the, you know, positive rejuvenating, we're going to do this shit, you know, 
effect that that it seemed like it might have. You know, the Thibel thing is just like wonky and will be now hanging over the entire series. You know, it is a shame, like like a two second sidebar, like it just really is a shit. You and I were big big Thibel fans, like of like his vlogs in the bubble and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. To kind of have this this turn in his career is just a, a bit of a bummer to me. I, I, on TikTok the other week, I got this ad uh, from Red Bull and just a very poorly timed promotion where they were doing something where like play this game, you know, involving Matisse Thibel. And I just commented on it. Does the game involve being vaccinated? And it went and it shot straight to the top of the comment section. Like it just is, is a shame that he's become, he's going to have this sort of jokey vibe around him. But um, Mm -hmm. to, to the point being made, like just to kind of rack up, wrap up my Sixers thoughts. Like I just don't see that when you zoom out and consider sort of this narrative structure that would accompany a a deep run for them, it doesn't seem like the pieces are there for me. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, so the heat, I agree with that. The heat. Yeah. I I mean, do you have anything else you want to throw in there? Like, did I give you enough space to talk about Harden? Yes. Yes, you did. So I am ready to move on to the heat. Um, Anything that you have on the heat that maybe changes the narrative of them being one of the most underrated one seeds ever? Like, it doesn't seem yeah. like there's much buzz around them, like, at all. And maybe that speaks to the parody of the this NBA right now, um, especially in the Eastern Conference. But do you have, like, any take that it's that's going to be – other than, yeah, there's the one seed, but that 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 like it's that's yeah. Like no, I I don't I don't I don't have another take. That's not yeah. They're the one seed, but dot dot. Literally, I think yeah, they're the one seed, but dot 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 is the best summation of my my take that you could have possibly given. You know, it's just and I don't want to. I honestly like weirdly, and I don't watch and you know this year my nba consumption has been lower we're like expressing a large amount of confidence in anything seems wrong but i have been listening to nba podcasts recently and i hear guys like zach lowe sort of do this you know well you don't sleep on the heat man don't sleep on the heat and to me it feels like the most perfunctory like attempt at a contrarian sort of opinion Mm. like even that doesn't feel that genuine to me for for some reason um and it's not as if this and it's not as as if this this heat team doesn't have like a you know they went to the fucking finals in the bubble but i just feel like even even you know with larry now fully in the fold and stuff they they just and you know with here our our you know our kevin and the wu-tang clan favorite tyler hero you know, mm-hmm. having the sixth man, uh, you know, type resurgence where it does feel as if he has reestablished himself as this potential sort of X factor in any given series. I, I, I'm just not there. Like, I don't know what I'm, if I wanted to make the uh, an argument other than the, yeah, they're the one seat, but dot, 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 I don't know what I'm supposed to point to. Do you, do you have something for me, like to change my mind or? Are we kind of in lockstep here? And and I 
I, I'm pretty much in lockstep with you. The only thing I can point to would be Lowry, who changes, might change things. Um, but other than that, like, think about a lot of the their rotation, if you look at it. Yeah. Like, are you going to really rely on Omar? Your Gabe Vincent, like, Max baby. Drews? Yeah, like Gabe yeah. Vincent. Like, are you are you going to be relying on those guys in the playoffs? Like, yeah. Caleb Martin, like, had some decent games, but are you going to be relying on him too? Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like, although they played these guys throughout the year, they, they just, like, one, it seems like two out of those four guys that we named – have to play decently well and I don't yeah. really see it and like maybe Oladipo is the guy but he's been so like you don't even know what you're getting for, from him either that it feels like there's a lot of question marks in terms of who's actually going to be playing um, rotation minutes for this team in the playoffs and I and that's I think in the first game I'm going to be super keyed in on who Spolstra is going to trust to play, to play those minutes. So, and I think that that'll be the, the, the most fascinating thing, because I don't like, even though they have the well-roundedness of a squad that can succeed in the regular season, I'm not sure how far that's going to take them in the playoffs. Yeah, no. And it is a, I think the Suns are kind of a, even if we assume like that generally you have this, like let's assume that every playoff team will only throw out an eight man rotation. When you compare the heat to a team like the Suns, for example, you know who they're supposedly supposed to be in the same league as you look at like the six, seven and eight heat players in minutes played Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, as opposed to the, you know, the sons who are Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne and Tory Craig, like that yeah. is a pretty far chasm between the quality, the quality of, of, of those players. And just another thing, like you mentioned that first series, I think that is a good point. And, you know, we'll see who wins the, the play in game today. Cavs versus Hawks. What gut check? Who do you think wins that game? Hawks. Like yeah, I kind of like and, the Hawks too. Unless it seems like I, they're going to try and give Jared Allen, Jared Allen a go tonight. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. um, the point I, I was me, making I think was the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I like the Hawks also. I do think the Cavs are one and a half point favorites. So maybe I maybe mm-hmm. I need to look into making a little wager on the Hawks, but mm-hmm. especially okay. if the Hawks come out of that game, because the Hawks, although they've underachieved this year, have at least that somewhat pedigree of going to the Eastern conference finals. Um, I would be interested to like, I think we will get a very good feel in that first round series, especially if it's the Hawks as to whether this team has any true aspirations or not. Um, totally because, agree. Totally agree. Because if the if the Hawks give them a series, like I would pretty be pretty close to writing them off. Although when you look at how the bracket shakes out, right, like that side of the bracket, assuming they can come out of the one eight series, they'll probably be paying playing the Sixers, who we seem to agree, or you know the Raptors, who we seem to agree are probably less scary to us than you know, uh, than the, like the Bucks. Nets or Celtics would be, although you know the Embiid, 
and beat Adebayo would be a quite an interesting, interesting matchup in and of itself. So, so yeah, you know, it's kind of, I feel like I've always been, I've been about this, up this way about the heat since they made the playoffs in the bubble. And, you know, I, I, I love Kyle Lowry. I, I, if his presence really did prove me wrong, I'd be pleasantly surprised, but I do fall back on my priors pretty heavily in this sense of I'll believe it when I see it. And I think the points yeah. you, you made about the depth are, are super salient. Yeah, for sure. And I think that kind of like brings us to that other team in the East that actually won the finals last year that we yes. haven't brought up And who, yet. by the way, um, I am pick, I would pick to win the finals again. So we have buried, yeah. uh, buried the lead in some ways here. Mm-hmm. So they are – they are actually the favorites in the East right now, it seems like, um, on the betting markets. Do you do you align with that? And I, it seems like you already answered that question. But more so, do you feel like this team has maybe and, – and is it is it easy as, as easy as how far Giannis can take them? Um, because I do think like Drew's been really good. Holiday for them has been really good for them this year. Um, yeah, like it's just it just feels a little bit more like oh, last year was like I wouldn't say a test run because they won the the finals, but it just feels like now they're even more comfortable with each other that they kind of know how things are going to operate, especially with Holiday in the mix. Yeah, you know, like it's interesting. I've I've heard, uh, you know, uh, Brooke Lopez was out the majority of the regular season, and he's coming back now. Um, And the reason I literally am saying that as my first sentence out of my mouth when talking about the Bucks is, you know, it would be one thing to be having this conversation had the Bucks been like this, like were they the number one seed and this juggernaut kind of throughout the regular season. Um, and they really weren't, they, they looked quite good at points, but you know, when you hear criticism about them from sort of the NBA world, it's that they've maybe floated through this regular season without much of an identity Mm -hmm. other than Giannis is good. You know, their defense has shown some slippage as a, as opposed to where it was last year, you know, and, and things of that nature. But I think back to sort of my, how I felt about this team going, going, um, going back to like when we did previews. And I think I, my feeling was always that this was a team that, as you mentioned, kind of had this, this run last year where it feels like they figured a lot of stuff out and it didn't necessarily surprise me that they would maybe sit on their laurels a little bit at times or kind of just, you know, flow through and figure things out. And, you know, as you mentioned, obviously at the end of the day, you're always going to be looking at Giannis. I think Giannis was an underrated MVP candidate uh, and should have really been up there as much as Mm -hmm. Embiid or, or Jokic was. I think there is a chance that like, if I were some heart, like if I were a hardcore piece of the NBA media, I'd be giving a hard look to putting Giannis at second in the MVP candidacy. Mm. Um, Ooh, okay. And it feels like he's been, it, it feels like he has been that, you know, the reason that they have been able to still be, have this favorite status, you know, 
as they've navigated through this more up and down regular season is that at the end of the day, Giannis plays extremely hard and, you know, is extremely good. Is basically the best player on the floor every time he takes the court. So, you know, kind of the inverse of the Heat argument, the reason I think the Bucks still deserve this favored status and why I'd pick them to win the win the win the championship is like when you look at that team, like and you say, like if we made an exercise, right, where we took every single NBA team and or every team in the playoffs and had to come up with all the reasons why they won't win the championship, I think the Bucks have the fewest good arguments they'd be able to make for them like your argument would be like Giannis isn't you know going to be able to be the guy at the end of close games we've kind of seen that somewhat disproven because Mm -hmm. they fucking won the championship last year and uh you know some of their questions regarding Lopez like reintegrating Lopez and stuff like that will will certainly be interesting but you know it, 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 I, I don't think they're necessary. They're, they're, to use legal term, they're persuasive, but not necessarily compelling in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Like, one thing I, I kind of neglected here that I want to toss back to you after you give your thoughts is sort of this idea of like the teams they might match up against down the road. Yeah. And, and what, think, what scares you and what doesn't. And I think that's the hardest part about all of this when handicapping the playoff uh the playoff race or whatever you want to call it or the playoff bracket in um on the east because the matchups for the bucks whoever the, they have to play the nets or um nets or the celtics and i'm not saying they're bad matchups for them but it's just a harder road than what yeah. i would foresee if they were the one seed and they had to play I mean the Sixers or or the Heat it just doesn't feel as as easy as it could have been um sure moving forward but it like to me Giannis last year and what he did proved everything that he needed to and this is I'm not saying it's gravy but like if he wins again and then wins finals MVP. Like the I mean, he becomes, talk, we start talking about him in all time talk immediately if that happens, yeah. Like, if he wins again, back-to-back, back back-to-back finals, like, we start talking like, like, oh, wow, like, if he continues this career trajectory, like, on the, like, is he, K, like, that KD level? Well, that's, you know what I mean? doesn't he, I don't know, dude. I like would even make a better, serious right? argument that he actually becomes better than KD if he wins another right. another ring That's what, and another Finals right. MVP already, which so, is crazy to say because KD's a top twelve to probably player of all time. So, right. So like that's where that's what we're talking about for his legacy. If if that yeah. ever gets to that point, and like I don't know about you, but do you, I, I feel like I remember us kind of being like. Yeah, like this team is good, but I don't foresee them ever winning another championship again. And like mm. we're back and it sounds like you're choosing them again and I'm I was also like 
going to choose them as well. So like, I do think I picked the bucks to make the final, so I'm not sure, but, but, but you may be right there. You, I, I do get the point, the point stands regardless of whether I said that or not, but I I agree. Initial, I I just think initially we were kind of like, does this bucks team win another one? And it was just kind of hard for us to like, fathom with yeah. everything else going on that they would no, be I, team to beat if that makes no sense. i think yeah. that i think that is true and my response to that really quick it, you know if that if we if that was sort of the operating premise i think we probably underestimated how much chaos or how much instability there would be or maybe to, to put it in a different way, we possibly just esti- underestimated how much instability there is in the NBA generally and, you For know, sure. maybe underrated consistency because as as we sit here, the Suns and the Bucks are the two betting favorites to, to make the finals. And um, just real quick, uh, kind of as a response to your, uh, this idea of, like, they have a tougher road, I do agree with that, but – Again, like in that realm of like, it's hard to fo- to poke holes in this team. Last year, they played the Nets in round two as well. So, yeah, you that's know, true. That's it's true. not like they're, if, if that is the series, obviously I will still, it will still be an incredibly hard series to handicap. And it would be the same way against the Celtics. Although, you know, the Bucks have sort of rolled the Celtics in the past. Uh, and those, mm. those demons would, would come back to play in a series like that. You know, it, it's certainly, and is it difficult to, you know, go to look at that series and go, I'm definitely going with the Bucks, regardless of who they play? No, but can the Bucks, can the Bucks not sit in their locker room and say we've done this before? You know, also no. So yeah, that's true. That's so true. I I feel like in terms of the East, there's not much else that I really wanted to touch on. So like I I feel like we can turn our attention to the Western Conference if like and and we'll give finals picks at the end once we talk about the the West and then we'll get into MVP but any of these West teams um, besides the Suns who we kind of talked about at the top that are intriguing and and we talked about there being no natural second team we we kind of went through the list Golden State Memphis Utah Denver like it feels like you could kind of take all of those teams and put them on one tier. Um, yeah. I don't – it's really hard to parse out who I would like the most. Yeah, I was going to – I was going to – I was literally about to pose that question to you. If you have to take one team that's not the Suns and not the Warriors, who are you taking? This might sound really weird, but and, – and the chemistry is kind of weird for this team right now. Um, I might be taking Utah, as weird as that sounds. You know, that's an incredibly uh, contrarian take. That's an incredibly yeah. – which I'm interested in hearing you – because I don't think it's a crazy take. I don't think it's a crazy take at all. But the general consensus, basically what you're doing right now is sort of like picking the Blazers last year. or some, You know what I yeah. mean? Because they're seen yeah, yeah, yeah. as the the – the path is there for this to kind of be the last ride for the Mitchell Gobert combo. And you're Mm -hmm. about to make the argument that, you know, maybe it isn't. So I want to hear you do that, but I I just wanted to provide that piece of context. uh, And I think it's, 
I think more so than maybe like how much I'm in love with this team. It's just like the matchup might like, especially with Luca being somewhat questionable for a couple of games. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No, I think going to be playing yeah. the first couple of games. I, and like, and I think that could, that could be the, the one of the reasons as to why they move on in a very close series. And then like number like, and then like against the Suns, it's like, all right, you just take your chances there. But like, I don't know, like the other, the other, it's more just like the other teams. I'm not like crazy about Luca. Luca is Luca. And you know how much I love him. Everyone on this podcast who's ever heard, heard me speak about Luca knows that I love him as a player. I just, that team is, it. I, I just can't, like, if he's missing any time, it's going to be really hard for this team to win. And then, yeah, and then, like, I mean, move just on to, to, just, I just wanted yeah. to break in to say this. I was looking at the uh, series markets uh, on, mm-hmm. on DraftKings. The Jazz are minus 300 favorites. So I think that is based on the assumption that Luca probably won't play. And, uh, you know, to get your exercise, you know, science major hat on, you know, these calf injuries from everything I've heard, like, unless it's incredibly minor, the idea that you can come back and be anything close to effective, especially he was like limping off the court, barely able to walk. It seems like it's basically a minimum of two weeks for, for, you know, it is, most yeah. of these injuries that aren't super minor, right? So given that, right. it may be, it may, you may pretty much be right here, and we may be in one of those situations where they kind of, where the Jazz kind of luck out. My only retort to that before you, before you continue on here is like, we were kind of there with the Blazers last year when they played the Nuggets. Jamal Murray had gone down, and it was like, phew, they're going to, you know, they're going to, Right, get lucky and be able to sort of get past this limping Nuggets team, and then they lost four-one. Basically, of course, the Mavs don't have a player like Nikola Jokic on their team, you know, without without mm-hmm. Luca. But um, but I just wanted to throw that in. I I wanted for to sure add that to contextualize that it is very very likely now that they get past the the first round if this assumption that Luca isn't going to be healthy holds. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that's where that was just kind of my thinking about it. And then looking at all the other teams, like Memphis is that one exciting team that could like, it could be magic, but at the same time, they're still young. And Ja has played one game in like a month and a half. Yeah. Which, which maybe, and obviously they're probably holding him for the playoffs and like hoping he's a full go then, but like, it's not easy to just kind of get going again and be thrown into a playoff game after playing one game, you know, in the past month and a half, two months or so. So like, or, or month and a half or so. So it, that's yeah. like the worry for, for, for them, but they're so it's kind of weird. They've been really good without like stunningly like state of flow and really we're able to solidify that number two seed um, behind the sun. So that was like, I think that was a bit of a shock to me, how good um, as, 
as weird as it sounds, Taylor Jenkins like coached him up and really has that team playing. And, and that's the, I guess the only worry for them is lack of experience and whether or not that depth shines through in the playoffs. And, and, yeah. and the, that's the, that, that was like my concern, but that was probably my other team that I was like, yeah, maybe that's the team that you go with. Yeah. The the reason it's hard to do that, I think is because is maybe because it, it, a, a team that had the, a team that, ha- and I, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I think the reason it might be harder to pick a team from that side of the bracket is just, it's a lot, like, is it more likely that Memphis beats the Warriors or like Utah beats the Suns? You know, I'm not sure, but I, I think I might, I might take the sort of Memphis route there. Um, the, the Nuggets are interesting too, because the Nuggets have one playoff series without, you know, they made a fairly deep run last year without, um, mm-hmm. without Murray. So especially given that by all accounts, Jokic is are probably a better player somehow than he was last year, even, you know, you, you could, possibly, yeah. you could, yeah, I mean, I want to save that for, for MVP, but I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on him. I just wanted to real quick, I think for, for fun here, I'm going to say Memphis and I wanted to kind of really quick flesh out the narrative argument. Why I think all mm-hmm. of your points about jaw and, you know, youth and, coming back in and inexperience all definitely hold true. And it would be, uh, you know, if we fast forward, uh, you know, two weeks here and, you know, I, I, I look back on me rambling right now and think, Oh my God, they lost like three, you know, they lost four, one to the warriors in the second round, or, you know, they got upset by the Timberwolves. I, I'm a mm-hmm. fucking idiot. That, that could be possible. But, but a point I wanted to make here is like, there's always this conventional wisdom, right? About like NBA teams, how it works for these really good young teams is they like sort of burst onto the scene, they take their lumps and then they emerge as true title contenders. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. these, these new, these new teams, you know, generally don't, don't, don't uh, make the finals or whatever right away. But when you look, when you look back at like, in the last like 10 years or so uh, exempting the Warriors Cavs sort of era completely. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the finals every year, last year, Buck Suns, of course the Suns anchored by, by Chris Paul who had been in the league longer than everyone, anyone, but a bit of a surprise and came together a bit quicker than, than a lot of people would, would sort of anticipate the Miami right, right. heat. The year before, and that year also, the Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals. 2020 mm-hmm. uh, bubble season, Lakers Heat. Um, Lakers Heat. You know, no one really expecting the Heat to to make the run they did. The year right. prior to that, Raptors Warriors. The Raptors, you know, kind of coming together quickly and and winning the championship. That was also a year the Portland Trail Blazers made the Western Conference Finals against expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, reversing back to that, you have a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder making the finals in 2012. You have the Mavs True. winning the championship in 2011. The point I'm making mm-hmm. here, and those are not all good analogies by any circumstance, because because 
the the Grizzlies are specifically a very young team with very young stars. I just wanted to sort of raise this point of like, you know, sometimes teams do get there quicker than you're expecting. And sometimes mm-hmm. these, you know, talented teams, actually things break their way and they get further than people are expecting them to. So as a pure talent play, or like maybe buying into this idea that like these things break earlier occasionally, like, you know, the conventional wisdom doesn't always hold true. I, I do like the Grizzlies potentially more than any other team, especially given um, this w- without jaw. I think that they have like an insane record without jaw. It's, it's crazy. something along the lines of like 22 and three or something. Like it was, yeah. it was like mine, but it was like bucks without Giannis level of consistency. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. if, 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 if I had to find a counter to the kind of things you were talking about, and you did mention this a little bit uh, in your, in your sort of dialogue about, about the Grizzlies, but if I had to find a counter, you know, especially in terms of like a analog to like a championship team, like the bucks that, that usually bodes pretty well when, when the team has that good of a record without their star player. So. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think what you're kind of, alluding to is one of those things where but and and i think it's it kind of goes across all sports um i'm thinking about the masters in in golf like you usually don't like you usually don't expect it or you don't see it happening for a person until they do it or they've proven yeah. to do it and, th- and and it's like really hard to go out on a limb and be like hey like that team's gonna win um against um all expectations or against anything that says they have like a lack of experience things like that um and once they've proven it people say oh of course it totally makes sense for these logical reasons but then i think the the overvalued play here is that experience factor in the playoffs and you maybe you need like one or two of those guys but it's proven proven in the past like you're saying there there are things like um like that okc team with that was just extremely young but extremely talented that was able to carry them and i don't i i don't necessarily think memphis has that no of course like, not sort of, of course level of okay talent yeah right right agreed but they definitely have the makings of something super interesting. Um, and I do yeah. think like they can make a sneaky, like I would it surprise me if they beat golden state in that second round, potential second round series. No, but it like, it would be, it would be somewhat surprising, but could I see a logical path to them making it to the Western conference finals? Yes. So yeah. it, it, it does make like for interesting um prognosticating in terms of how far they're they're gonna go so andrew with all that being said because i think i I don't know if you wanted to get into any other western conference teams um i i I figured like during our mvp talk we could kind of talk touch on denver a little bit um yeah but other than like other than that like i don't know if like Golden State, we kind of touched on them as possibly. Yeah, being I feel like I've said team. everything. 
yeah, I feel like unless there's some some topic you feel like we missed on, I basically got out the majority of my good thoughts on all the playoff teams I wanted to talk about. Right. So what, what about you? Any do, lingering? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's nothing lingering. But what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to get your picks for this round and then get your finals pick um, for how you see it. Um, okay. On, on okay. this day. So, like, let's go okay. from series to series, through series, um, each series. And obviously, we don't know who the eight seeds are because the plan games haven't happened yet. But um, let's go through each series um, just for this round, and then we'll give our finals pick at the end. Um, like so, it. who do, who do you have um, Heat and then potential eight seed Hawks? or Cleveland. Yeah, I'll uh, say it doesn't make that much of a difference to me. Uh, I'm assuming it's the Hawks, I'll take the Heat in six. Uh, Cavs, I'll take the Heat in five. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, I think it'll be that too. Heat in six, Heat in five make total sense there. Um, All right, we'll go to the the two seven. I think that's the, the premier matchup in this first round series or first round of the games. Um, Boston or Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, despite, I'm gonna set myself to look up stupid and uh, to look stupid and assume the Nets win a competitive, but, you know, a series in which they ultimately show their championship quality, uh, winning in six. I'm gonna agree with you there, and we'll just be dumb and dumber, so, like, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get egg in our face and we'll, immediately we'll they're going to be but... down. They're going to be down. <laughs> like uh, you said, you'll go to game three, probably. You're I think gonna I'm be going to game three. At, yeah. at game three, it'll probably be one, one and they'll be down like 30 in the second, like in, in an incredibly, that arena was so fucking dead during the playoff game. It was in imbe- especially when you then went to the, the Timberwolves Clippers game and saw how excited everyone was. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. in that, in that, at that game three, the Nets are going to be down like 24, like, and Kyrie will have just like tweaked his ankle and will, you'll be texting me like, how did we think they were going to win in six? But uh, that'll yeah. be funny. Yeah. At least. We'll get a good chuckle it, out it of that. Be, it will be funny. And yeah, that is one thing I am worried about. The, the home court advantage, like there's a lot of Boston fans and a lot of diehard Boston fans that will show up to uh, the Nets. Nets game so uh, that's definitely worrisome and you know all those Boston games are going to be filled to the brim with Boston Boston yeah we need hopefully Kyrie will use his uh, you know he seems to be a mix of basically every alternative sort of anything alternative he will so didn't he like use like incense and like snub you know hopefully he can get his his you know he can really get an extra powerful dose of, you know, incense or, or what have you for, for that journey. We can't, we can't wait for that. So uh, we'll go from, uh, we'll go to the three, six matchup, Milwaukee versus Chicago. And we didn't even really touch on Chicago. They've had their injury problems. Lonzo yeah. It is out a and shame. They started it, on it, a pot and, you know, yeah. everything kind it of It is a shame that we've kind of like, they were probably the number one, like, if the number one, like if we had to do another regular season thing, as opposed to the Lakers, that would have probably been at the top of the list. 
but unfortunately they've mm-hmm. been so injury prone, you know, like b- ball is going down, you know, and, and the like that, that early promise doesn't seem to really be bearing out as the season went on. I'm actually going to pick a bull sweep. I mean, Buck full sweep, sweep. Jesus fucking Christ. Buck <laughs> sweep. No, buck I, sweep. <laughs> I, 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 like I, I, I'm going bucks in five, but, um, okay. yeah, like I, I don't see it. Um, yeah, I don't see it being too competitive. Shout out to DeMar DeRozan, though. Like, yeah, everyone thought he was, like, can you just imagine, and, and this has been talked about on all these NBA podcasts, but imagine he was getting all this shit for, for signing this deal, or the Bulls were getting a ton of shit for signing him to, to that deal, and he's proven pretty much everyone wrong with how, yeah, how well sure, he's played. Um, I'm sure we yeah. could pull, I'm sure we could pull my like stuff from our preview where I'm shitting on them signing DeRozan and shitting on DeRozan, who is an incredibly nice or an incredibly cool guy to have in the NBA. So I agree. Echoed with you there for sure. Still picking four, five, four, five, sixers, Raptors. And I think this might have upset potential potentially or no. Yeah, fucking. I'm just gonna pick the Raptors in seven. Oh, like okay. I'm. I'm just gonna go for it. Like, who? What do I really have to lose at the end Nothing of the day? To lose. It's not like I have any real credibility to. Like, who knows how many people? At at the end of the day, this is just me and you talking on the phone. So I'm. I'm gonna say Raptors in seven. Why? Why the fuck not? Sure. I have to pick. I don't think I'm gonna pick any. I, I I don't know if I'm gonna pick any more upsets. So you have to at least have one. So. For sure, um, I'm. I'll go Philly. Um, I think they'll. I think they'll pull it out. I think Embiid is gonna be a monster in this series. Um, yeah, like I think it'll be tough for him because yeah, yeah. He, there's a lot of switchable dudes on that team. But at the same time, yeah. like they don't really have a guy to guard him as well. Like it's gonna be a lot of switching. But I don't know, like who you naturally put on him to start, if that makes sense. No, it's, it's, um, it's an incredibly valid point, And that pick was very just like based on nothing, you know, you'd be relying on like Nick nurses sort of defensive scheming mastermind. Like they're going to bust out the fucking triangle and two and stuff. Like when you pull yeah. out and go, how would the Raptors win this series? You're like, well, what like Scotty Barnes is really going to emerge as like whatever. But uh, yeah, no, you you obviously make a very good point. Yeah, but I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be in seven actually. So six or seven. Okay. Um, let's turn our attention to the West. Uh, are we just going Suns like full sweep? Uh, that one. I would say the Suns. I would say the Suns sweep the Pelicans and the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are scary, but that, that collapse in the T-Wolves game has kind of dampered my ideas of them kind of pulling. I think, unfortunately, like the arrival of Powell looked – Powell was probably the best player for the Clippers in the, in the Timberwolves game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he will be a great asset for them going forward, especially with Kawhi coming back next year, uh, despite the fact that I actually think the – that – trade wasn't as bad for the Blazers as people as people think uh but um anyway I would say they sweep the Pelicans and beat the and beat the Clippers in five I was gonna say sweep Pelicans 
And then I think they would win in six, actually. Again, okay. I I think there's some weird things that might happen, like in that. Yeah. Series. No, that's like, fair. As, so I don't know. Like, have they really have they ruled out Kawhi yet? I don't think they have. Right. I don't know, but I when I I I I think it's like in regard to both Kawhi and Jamal Murray, they haven't been completely ruled out, but they have both been. It has both been like likely not returning in the playoffs, right, which to me okay. means pretty much very little chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on to two seven Memphis and Minnesota, and and Minnesota is just happy to be here, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you. As, we as have evidence the by tiniest. There. Could we have the tiniest sidebar on the Patrick Beverly celebration thing? Okay. Yep. Go ahead. What did you What did you make of that first? For before I kind of do my, because I think I I'll just say it. I actually have the contrarian take on that, where I was completely fine with him celebrating. Like if you're, and I'm not even a massive Pat Beverly fan, but like the the clowning on him actually almost pushed me into liking that. Because here's my thing: like if the NBA is going to if the NBA is going to, uh, you know, put institute this play in tournament, which I actually think has been a success, all things considered, then it's then the like the play in tournament should mean something, and it should be exciting to you know uh, to get out of it. And when you compound that with the fact that Minnesota is one of the more sort of tumultuous like has been one of the more sort of sad sack franchises in the nba you know in over the last you know 20 basically over our lifetimes the energy in that building was crazy but you know pat bev like he had seven points he had seven points but if you watch that game him and anthony edwards who shout big shout out to anthony edwards i have you know i i was more of a guy but he is he no he is really um he is really – I still think LaMelo Ball is the best player in that class, but he has, like – he won – like, that game was the moment where I was like, oh, shit, I this guy's actually really, really fucking good, and I really enjoy watching him play. So I definitely think we were we, – we have been overly low on him. But um, to get back to my Pat Bev point, like, he was – like, in a game where Carl Anthony Towns was ba- – Carl Anthony Towns was basically DOA, he kind of provided that, that dog energy that, that eventually won them that game. And it was against his mm-hmm. former team. Like, I, I'm cool yeah. with it. Like, I, I don't know what no, to tell you. It, like, it, it, yeah. I, I get it. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he jumped on the scorer's table. He probably shouldn't have done that. But, like, it, it's uh, – what we're only going to pretend that, like, winning the championship means – you know, maybe it's – that's, like, my blazer small market kind of t- – mm. I think celebrating your – like, it's a fucking accomplishment, and he's fine to, to you know, celebrate it in that, in that manner. It's not like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if uh, – you know, if Josh Akogi, who played, I think, zero minutes, jumped on the scorer's table, that would be weird, but I'm cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my take is, like, it was, like, I get the emotion behind it because of because of the struggles with the Timberwolves, and they've won, I think, one playoff game in the past, I think, 20, close to yeah. 20 years or so. Um, and you know, getting, I think there's a lot of emotional energy there 
Papev playing his ex-team, like you were saying, and then kind of disrespecting him and trading him this offseason. And then um, I, I do think that it was fine. It was just – it it definitely wasn't like – like it should have been celebrated for sure, but I think it could have been maybe a tiny bit toned down. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, like it, oh, it's, for like, sure. it's like – it's like I, I get it. I get why. Real quick, I want to – yeah, yep, real quick, because I don't think we've gone super duper long. I'm willing to, because no, I no. wanted to tell this conju- this story in conjunction with the Pat Bev thing, because uh, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. So I never played basketball in high school, but I played a lot of pickup and stuff. And I, I considered myself a pretty adept pickup basketball player. Like, basically, I have not been gifted with much athleticism. But there are certain, you know, athletics-related things I, at least at various points in my life, have been good at. Pretty good three-point shooter, can play decent defense, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Certainly no world beater, but all right. Uh, but I have really weird shooting form. I shoot like Sean Marion, basically. I never learned good okay. form, so I okay. shoot straight from my chest. So my freshman year of college, like the first week or something like that, um, me and two of my friends, like I quickly made friends with our, our friend, Mike Boddy, uh, who we went to law school with and uh, another mm-hmm. kid named Greg Furtado who were like, you know, pretty athletic, like both played like varsity baseball in college, like just way more athletic looking than me. Um, and in the first week of college, we went to like our kind of local, whatever the rec, you know, recreation center to play pickup basketball and we got into a three-on-three game with three other guys. And um, we started playing, and I, I was shooting. Like, I shot a three or something like that. And they basically, like, laughed at my form, right, which, which was mm-hmm. okay. So the game went on, and, like, I basically ended up hitting two threes in a row to, to win the, the pickup basketball game. And I, mm-hmm. like – freaked out basically I was like what the fuck now you know like you you know what I mean like I really like I did the point I'm making is like I pat bevved myself where like it you know like they basically the other guys were like what and like my friends were like all right dude we get it but you know calm down the point being like sometimes that is the internal sometimes things you know, the internal motivation you, I get that, that idea of like, sometimes the internal motivation or like things mean more to you than they mean to the average person. And I, I can understand how someone would be exuberant in a way that seems weird while being actually validated by their own feelings at the end of the day. So, yeah, for sure. And and to, to have a quick story along with that, I, I had a, I was in fourth grade playing on in a rec basketball league and I'm, I'm driving, like I couldn't really shoot the ball, but yeah, I, I could drive to the hoop and I was pretty, I was like fairly athletic for my age. So I could take advantage of those blow by guys and just go to the, go to the hole and lay the ball up. So the opposing coach is literally like, stay off of him. He can't shoot. Yeah. So I launched yeah. probably like, before Steph Curry was even Steph Curry launched probably a three <laughs> from like, like maybe like two or three steps inside half court, just cause like, I was like, my fourth grade self was like, I'm going to tell this coach to go fuck himself. So I yeah. take the three, make the three. And all I'm doing is looking 
cold stare at him. Damn, and, and you were and in it, fourth grade too. I think I was in, I was in fourth grade. And I said, "You better guard me." <laughs> so it was, just, it, was, it was hilarious. And this was rec basketball, by the way. So yeah, this is hilarious. So yeah, I I, I get yeah. It. I think I think and, the and, point and, is and, like in celebrating some of our, like we sound so pathetic celebrating these very minor athletic accomplishments. But the point I was making overall, and I think your story is like that feeling of like, when you feel like you're being openly doubted and you prove them wrong, like, you know, in whatever way it is very, like it is that sort of experience is incredibly emotional in a way that like, I wouldn't really begrudge anyone. Yeah, it's extremely. It's like you validated something. So yeah, it's it's funny. Um, it was it brought me back. Uh, brought me back in time. So, anyways, going like with this series, I feel like this two seven matchup for me, like I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I don't know if you have it any differently, but I'm I'm actually going Memphis in six. I was actually going to say Memphis in in six as well. Like if, if I am going with this theory that they could make the and make the Western Conference Finals, maybe maybe I should be uh, maybe I should be sort of going for five. Like I'm I'm very close between six and five, but I'm gonna default to six just in that. Especially like I, I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. on on Cat will be really fascinating. Like it's almost as if like because the 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 Grizzlies actually have sort of big men, I don't think they're going to do a lot of the weird things that the Clippers did to shut down Cat. So I think Cat will have his games where he just goes off. But I do think eventually mm-hmm. uh, the Grizzlies' superior sort of holistic construction will shine through. So I'll I'll say six as well. Okay. So we got that down. We'll go for the 3-6 matchup, Golden State and Denver. Who do you have in this series? I'm going to actually say Golden State in seven. I think this is going to be the closest matchup in the first round. Yeah. Wow. I'm a little bit of a Golden State doubter. I'm a little bit of a Golden State doubter, but I'm still going to pick them here. What do they have for Jokic? Yeah, I mean... I mean, Draymond, assuming Draymond's at full strength, like that chess match will be extremely enjoyable to watch, but you know. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. And we don't really know, um, and we don't really know about, like we don't, the Steph thing is hard to tell if they, are they purposefully playing close to the vest, how healthy he is, or is he really just not that healthy? I don't know. Warriors are minus 250 favorite, so. So yeah, I assume it, I think, general consensus is that he's healthy, but yeah, I think there's reports that he might or might not play. He's like might or might not play a game one. So I think it if he does miss a game, it'll just be one game that he misses. Yeah, it's kind one of it's two. kind of interesting. I was just looking before you go to your prediction. The I was looking at the Warriors Nuggets. Like you can bet on the outcome of the series. And the mm-hmm. correct the 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 favorite is actually Warriors in seven, but then the second favorite is Warriors in five. So it seems like this idea that either the Warriors are going to roll them or it'll actually be, or it'll actually be really close. So I'm wondering what side of the spectrum you lean towards. 
can I split the difference and go Warriors in six? Because that's pretty much Yeah, it. that's the, the coward's choice, I feel like, is X and six, no matter what. So, but I'll, I respect yeah. you for that. No worries. So, so Warriors in six for me. Um, but yeah, the Steph injury kind of worries me a little bit if he misses anything more than a game. Um, yeah, so that, that, that'll be... I think that'll be a fascinating series, especially if, if it plays out the way you think it plays out and it goes to seven. I think there's going to be a lot of people questioning, uh, questioning the Warriors moving forward. All right. So we'll, we'll get to uh, the four five matchup, Dallas versus Utah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of convinced me. Like, I just, especially after I just looked at those betting odds, I'm not really sure that Luke is going to play. So, you know, I with an asterisk that, like, if his health is better than I think it is, you know, mm-hmm. they, they like, Luca being healthy, I probably would have picked the Mavs in five. I think I'm going to say Utah in six because because I doubt Luca's health, unfortunately, which sucks because yeah. it kind of it, it almost worked for the purposes of the podcast and that there was one less team we we talked talked about. It would have been fascinating to see like had Luca not gone down on the last day of the season and actually ooh, and actually um sorry i just got scared by a bug in my room <laughs> which is really <laughs> funny um which because i pace around when we're talking so i just caught it out of the corner of my eye and, and got freaked out um it, I, I, you know he got hurt like kind of in a meeting like they had something to play for. Like if I think Spurs had like basically whatever outcome they needed to move up was like 30, like was pretty much out of hand by the time he got hurt. So there's this question of like, could they have maybe pulled like, do you, should you take your, like your best players off the floor as soon as you know, you know, it probably doesn't matter anymore. Or is that, you know, to like, do you let them finish out the shift or what? Anyway, with that long-winded explanation of saying, like, I would have been fascinated to see where, like, I feel like you or I would have made an argument for the Mavs in that last section we did about other West teams had he not gotten hurt. It's unfortunate, Most but, definitely. you know, given, I would given have been the injury. In charge on that. Yeah, given the injury, unfortunately, and it sucks that Luke in the playoffs has been so fun. I will say the Utah Jazz in six. And I'm in agreement with you there. So I, our only disagreement, it seems like, for this first round is that Philly Raptors series, and that'll be pretty fascinating to watch. All right, Andrew, we're going to get into MVP talk. So MVP, um, and I, I'm kind of interested to hear your take. And if people are still here listening, it was kind of alluded to, it seems like, that you got Jokic, right? Or am I yeah. fully off base on that? Yeah. No, I I am taking Jokic pretty handily. Um, um, I am taking Jokic pretty handily, and like to be honest, like I have just a one a one sentence case. Like basically, Jokic is better by pretty much every advanced uh, every advanced metric, and the Sixers were not that much better than the Nuggets. The Sixers were three games better than the Nuggets. I don't think mm. that three-game gap is enough to overcome the pretty overwhelming statistical. And obviously, like to be honest, like I'm sorry, I didn't pull up all the counting stats. I didn't pull up every advanced metric. But I, I'm pretty sure when it comes to advanced metrics, if you aggregate all of those 
you know, the margin is like Jokic is it's not that close. Jokic is pretty far ahead. And it's not like if the if the Sixers had finished atop the East, I think you could make kind of start finger wagging and doing the traditional SNBA thing of like, well, the best teams, do we really give the MVP to six seeds if they're not Russell Westbrook ever averaging a triple double? That's not really the kind of year it was. If you want to make that argument, give the fucking MVP to, to you know, Chris Paul or something like that, mm. you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'm, you know, Embiid, and that is not to shortchange Embiid. I'm kind of making this argument. Uh, I'm making this argument you especially know, strongly for kind of rhetoric, rhetorical effect. You know, I did allude to before, mm. I think Giannis has been really under, under, oh, under, rated and I would have given him a heavy look for for number two um but yeah I I just feel fairly strongest I think it's not as close as most people think I got I got Jokic um and I do have thoughts branching off that but I don't know re, I I'm interested to hear your reactions and what you think um I'm not surprised actually I think Jokic over the past probably couple weeks or so has gotten it kind of feels like he's pulled away a little bit narrative wise yeah. um, in, in terms of like the people making this case for his extreme efficiency um, and how good he is across the board um, analytics wise in comparison to Embiid. So it, it's not that surprising to me there um, digging into the numbers a little bit more. It didn't surprise, like it doesn't surprise me that he, he's that good. <laughs> like when so even just records and games, they um like the top three MVP candidates uh played in and what their team's records were in those games. Jokic forty six and twenty eight, Embiid forty five and twenty three, Giannis forty five and twenty two. So like it's fairly even across the board. Yeah in terms of the yeah. wins and losses and and you know people usually make that argument oh the nuggets were in the sixth seed, like they're the sixth seed and and philly is whatever you know they're i mean they're only the four seed but like the the difference in games isn't much at all in terms of wins and losses like you were pointing out it was only three games so agree, agreement with you there and then like efficiency wise it's just incredible like how efficient this guy was um like his plus minus score he had the highest single season box plus minus score in the nba history like better than lebron better than mj um just incredible so like when he was on the court like he affected his team's i guess amount of points in terms of them being having the best point differential while he was on the court and he had the best season ever um in doing that so like yeah exactly to me to me it totally makes sense like why he's mvp and it's not like a diss on Giannis or um and Embiid because Embiid had an incredible year too it's just Jogic had that great of a year plus he was missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. for most of the year. So it, it totally makes sense to me in that way. And then, like, the whole, like, Devin Booker thing of, like, 
because it seems like he's probably naturally number four or five, maybe on the list. Um, yeah, it seems like was, he's emerged in this. Like, it feels like that four to five slot has like shifted. Like it was Steph, and then like maybe there was a little bit of Jaw buzz, there was a little bit of Demar buzz that faded, and now it seems like we're we're settling in on Booker, which is kind of fascinating. Like at most, yeah. and from what I've heard, it seems like the Suns have kind of. It's like, you know, uh, I like the Oscars and movies a lot. And sometimes there'll be these like incredible Oscar campaigns like Jessica Chastain won Best Actress, mm. despite being maybe giving the worst performance in her category, just because she ran like a brilliant campaign. And it feels like that might be what's happening for Booker somewhat. Mm. Although I get the idea of having the best team represented, but but continue with that, uh, your line of thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought it was more like that traditionalist uh like candidate of oh he's from the best team 60 like by a wide margin too um and he's the best player on the best team so we kind of have to throw him a bone there i think that was just so were you so were you picking Jokic? are you picking Jokic? it sounded like you were close but yeah and and i feel bad it's not to give short change to mvp like he's a incredible defensive player he won the scoring title right he did win or did he did win the scoring title right (laughs) like you know I you know I I get it I I do get it but I I think when you look at that like if if you take the raw metric of just like a, a team a good what player elevated a really good a good team the best it's hard for me if that's the criteria to argue for Embiid over over Jokic it would be very yeah. hard for me I'll say to do a top five like I know I would have I would have Jokic let's just say to to be nice I'd put Embiid second and Giannis third those other two spots would be interesting I, I think mm-hmm. I would lean towards Steph and then either. I don't know. I don't, I'd be more likely to put Chris Paul on my MVP ballot for some reason, but mm. you know, I think I'd lean towards Steph and then one of either Ja or Chris Paul or, or, you know, maybe Booker. I'd have to really dig in there, but it would, it would look mm. something like that. for, for posterity, you know, for the, you know, whoever's maintaining the Kevin and the Wu Tang pants, clan wikipedia page like there's one crazed fan who's not like one of our friends like and eventually mm-hmm. he becomes obsessed with us and kills us both uh i can't wait i'll for say that. i'll <laughs> i'll say <laughs> me neither uh, i'll take steph and then chris paul but that's complete I, i'll admit that four and five i'm completely bullshitting what about you give me mm-hmm. a ballot now that i did it all right so top five i i have the same first three um Number four, I think, was kind of interesting for me. And I was, and I don't think Booker is one of those guys that is, I don't think he's very, like, he was getting some steam towards the end of the the year, but I don't think people really had him being that, that like I don't think people were really thinking of him in that way. Um, yeah, I, I'll probably put Booker four, and then um, I'll go Luca five. Cool. Oh, so. real quick before we move off, I know we're we're getting into that zone where we've been running really long, but still have like two more things we want to do. I just really mm-hmm. wanted to just bounce this off of you. How should we pers- like? Let's assume Jokic is going to 
like uh, that the Nuggets are going to lose in the first round. How how should we perce- – it's kind of like a corollary to the con- – the, the, the Giannis question we had last year, but different. Like, what should we think about Jokic? Like, what what should the thought be? Like, what like Nikola Jokic blank? Like Nikola Jokic, top twenty player of all time, despite never sniffing a champ. Like, he's gonna win back to back MVPs. Like, what are? But that's the point. Like, how are we supposed? Like, or is it like Nikola Jokic, kind of especially gifted? player who emerged during a turbulent time in NBA history. Like as can I just do in a really annoying Blazer fan thing? Why is first yeah. take not saying get Nikola Jokic to a better team every day? Like why is it just given like you know what I mean? Like why is he, like it's a double like I take this wherever you want, but it's a double edged question of like are is Nikola Jokic underrated? Combined with like, why does Nikola Jokic get this specific niche where he's allowed to be one of the best, like this NBA nerd secret, like best player without having like really any scrutiny on him? Because I guess it goes both to finish up the ramble. Like, I guess it goes both ways. Like he's kind of been allowed to fly under the radar without much scrutiny, but, Mm -hmm. but he also is kind of underrated as a as a result of that take take that mishmash of thoughts in whatever direction you want to take it in okay so i'll take the first one where you kind of were like where do we kind of rank him all time and is is it as simple as like nash winning two mvps and then him winning two mvps and it kind of being Hmm. similar in that manner because like i think there was a lot of questions and hmm. and that was the era when Nash when Nash won the MVPs. It was a lot of like statistics wise. There's plenty of guys better than him, but who's the most valuable player in terms of like val- bringing value to their team? And if you didn't have him, they would basically fall apart. So I, I mean, even then, like. Like Shaq probably should have won one of those. He, I mean, Shaq always is on um, uh, on TNT. Like Steve Nash has one of my MVPs, but like to me, is that where? It, because I, I don't know if people think of him in that manner necessarily, or like, and and maybe because he's so since he's so young at this stage, like the potential as to where he goes of. Um, in terms of all-time legacy is still up in the air and people haven't nailed that down as much um, for Jokic. That that was kind of what I naturally thought of. And then, um, like, because Jokic clearly has, like, the counting stats and all those things that maybe Steve Nash didn't have in terms of points um, and rebounds. So, that was my natural thought and and then like playoff success makes it a lot you know can elevate your career but top 20 seems a little crazy to me especially if you haven't won a a championship at all um and then yeah it's just fascinating i I was just throwing something out i haven't given serious consideration but a thing that is he didn't make the nba 75th anniversary team and he wasn't even like people were talking about like ad and stuff like that 
but he wasn't even really mentioned. You know what I mean? Isn't that kind of fascinating? Right. Like in and of itself, yeah. like I feel like now having have like he'll probably win the second MVP. Like I think if it possibly if they voted on that now he would get in. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, I guess you're right. Where it's like maybe still early enough that, but he still he won two MVPs this early. Like it'll be fascinating to see. If uh, I know I burst in with like no coherent thought, but it'll also it'll be fascinating to see how he's perceived going forward. Is my like is it po- if, like I'm guessing he will never sniff a third MVP unless he's on a team with legit championship aspirations after this. I disagree with the Nash comparison because I think his stats are there. Um, mm. But yeah. but I I wouldn't be surprised if there's some Jokic fatigue going forward but at the end of the day this is just there's something to be said for like the nba the nba average nba mvp voter is a lot more of a nerd than it was you know 20 years ago so maybe he'll just always be like beloved by the nerds but you know kind of undervalued by the casual fan and that's a proper place for him i don't know yeah yeah and i i think the the one consideration um moving forward is obviously playoff success and that's go and, and in terms of how he gets judged um moving forward it'll be really interesting because if he doesn't get judged more harshly and he gets bounced in the first round like i still remember when dirk got so much crap for like losing in the first round and they were the one seed granted and yeah uh, they had like an all-time season with dallas and and he won MVP that year, and then he awkwardly had to pick up MVP once they lost. Um, like it, like that's kind of what maybe it could remind me of. But it's he's not going to get that level of uh, like that level of scrutiny um, from NBA media people. It seems like so. I don't know. No. It, it is a fact what what, what that I, makes it feel really weird to try to diagnose what's going to happen yeah no it is and and just to like what i foresee playing out is like this year whatever they lose they probably lose in the first round fine i think next year with murray coming back and um and uh porter jr potentially getting healthy um that you know they will be trendy pit you know what i mean like there'll be a trend mm. like it'll be like remember that when the jazz got bogdanovich and like i think you picked them number one in the west like it like they were seen as kind of yeah. like this is the year they break out like i think with a fully healthy team they will be a trendy pick in the west next year and if they kind of come out and are just the same nuggets we've always expected at that point you may see sort of more heavy scrutiny on Jokic himself would be my for prediction. Sure. Yeah, that's all right. Possible. So I do want to reserve. We're we're at the very end. We're at the and I said that at the beginning of the podcast. I want to literally reserve like three minutes for Blazers, and then we can give finals picks and be done. Good. So I'm perfectly happy with that. So give me your Blazers takes. Um, I'm I basically have adopted them as my second team. Um, I I approve. Thank you, buddy, and I I always Um, will appreciate that, dude. I almost tweeted this like it's funny, like the amount of people in my life, a a sign that people love me in my life and care about like my interests and stuff like that is 
throughout this and you know he's i have at least three people throughout the season the season who were texting me about anthony simons like (laughs) and not just who were not blazer fans and that that does mean the fact that i've made at least three people in my life not only know who anthony simons is but feel invested in anthony simons's growth and development like in my lowest moments if i ever you know was like gripped by the you know the lows of depression and like no one cares about me i would be like dude multiple people text you about anthony simons anthony simons people obviously like you i'm not going to talk about anthony simons at all the only thing i just really wanted to i just wanted to kind of take a snapshot of this point in time in blazer history uh the trailblazers have traded cj mccollum uh for josh hart who was actually pretty incredible Good. for them uh, uh you know down the stretch of the season and a first round pick that if the Bla- the pelicans lose tonight to the sick clippers in a game where the clippers do not have paul george the blazers will retain their pick uh were it not to jump and dr- jump into the top four of the lottery if they lose i think they get like a bucks 2023 or four pick that will be way less valuable kind of a bummer uh, you know, they have traded away Norman Powell and and Robert Covington uh, in a deal where they basically received like Keon Johnson and salary relief. Um, and, you know, all I want to do is say that right now I feel OK, despite all of that. I have a weird feeling that the Blazers are going to dr- jump into the top four of the lottery and whatever happens after that will, you know, be what happens. Uh, by all accounts, I feel very good about Damian Lillard. Um, I feel very good about Damian Lillard staying with this team going forward. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this team will try and win be- basketball games next year, whether that involves trading a pick, you know, either trading this pick, this Blazer pick, or hopefully trading the, the Pelicans pick. I still do feel like the Pelicans could possibly lose tonight, which which would be good. I do think they will try and balance, you know, rebuilding for the future and winning and keeping Lillard happy now. Will that strategy come to bear? What kind of fruit will it bear? Will it involve them trading for a guy like, uh, you know, Grant on the, I don't know why, and for Jeremy Grant on the, on the, on the, currently on the Pistons? Possibly. Does it take another machination? Possibly. Is that the best course of action? Debatable. But given everything that's, <laughs> Given that everything basically did go wrong this season and TJ finally got traded and they did blow it up, where I stand today, I actually feel better than I would have ever thought I felt. Am I crazy for mm. feeling that way? Or as an adopted Blazer fan yourself, no, I feel you, good. can you see I, the light as well? I can see the light, and I feel like it might even be a, a quicker turnaround than we might have hoped there's like things salary cap wise that you gotta they gotta figure out you know simon's extension coming up and things like that yeah um, i'm assuming they're gonna sign simons and nurkic and basically operate as an over the cap team uh which mm-hmm. will be interesting but uh yeah go ahead bud right yeah yeah and then i think uh they got under the tax this year correct so that they yeah. didn't have to pay repeaters so I think that's kind of what the goal was for this year, getting rid of CJ and doing all of these. It was basically a lot of salary cap uh, moves slash machinations that they had to do to be able to get under the tax, 
um, so that they wouldn't be charged the repeater for fo- the following year, and it wouldn't be an exorbitant fee for a team that was a middling West team um, at yeah. best at that point. So I think with Dame, it seems like he's going to stay. Um, it's I think I read a report that he had mentioned like he he was like investing in a in a insoles company or something weirdly on cnbc um and like he, he had, like <laughs> kevin just committed. with the cnbc cnbc yeah. just rolling in the background stock right and then crypto <laughs> exactly just totally on that during this whole whatever this has been the past couple of years but <laughs> it's um like it just it, it just seems like he's gonna stay and if he stays it doesn't it feel like, and I, you're alluding to this. It feels like they're going to jump up to the top four, or like at least the like in the top three to get one of those marquee guys, and just it not just feels like that. Yeah, low. it just feels like it just feels like that's what happens. Like that's kind of, like the Raptors, the Pelicans. It just feels like it's stupid to say because obviously we have no, we have no fucking out like it's odds there's no force guiding it unless you believe you know it's rigged or something but it the narrative right. just feels like they get like god smiles upon them and wants them to you know have the you know have the quick right. turnaround I, yeah i right. i agree yeah and and one thing so, else, yeah and one thing oh yeah go ahead go ahead buddy no no and 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 that those top three guys um jabari smith chet holmgren paolo uh banchero those three guys are guys that can definitely like they would fit well with those this squad. I feel like so for sure, and we could go deep on like my chat fears. We don't have to. I think yeah, we'll yeah. we'll do an emerge if they do jump into the top three. We'll probably I think we probably emergency pod. Like I say, we yep. emergency pod if the Nets make it to the finals, and we emergency pod if the Blazers jump into the top four, in, in, into the top three. And, you know, yeah. other than that, we'll, we'll figure out the next time we pod, but yeah. For sure. And one, th- one yeah. thing before we go to finals picks and close out the Blazer talk, I just think on the Dame thing, he is getting up there in age, but I think people mm-hmm. didn't realize how debilitating this core injury was to him. And I think he will come back. And I think they, because they kind of, with him being injured and out ended up being a pretty bad team. I think they are mm-hmm. underrating like the seal, like the floor that Damian Lillard will provide once he's back and healthy. Obviously other things can happen. There's no guarantee that it will be healthy, but there's enough evidence in my mind where I believe that after this ab issue has been taken care of, he'll be mostly all right. I, I pretty much agree with that. So yeah, let's move on to final sticks. Um, this, it, I mean, we alluded to to who we think is gonna win this year, but um, Andrew, you want to give your official finals pick? Yeah, you know, after all, you know, when the hot takes and the blah blah blah, everything settled. My finals pick is fairly boring, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was the exact same as the one I made to start the year. I could, I, yeah. Now, I probably picked the Lakers. I probably picked the Lakers to make the finals, but I believe I picked the Bucks to win the finals 4-2, and I'm taking them to beat the Suns 4-2 again this year. Mm, interesting. Um, because I have the exact same finals. 
<laughs> Bucks, oh, Suns, Bucks in six. But it, I mean, it makes sense. But and I, I'm pretty sure I had Lakers next in the in the beginning of the season, and that just kind of shows how much the NBA season changes. Um, it, like a lot changes in one year. Um, I was reading through some of my my notes that I had written up for our preseason podcast. And I'm like, why is that even a concern? Like some of the things were just wildly just so off yeah. that they just don't even concern this portion of the NBA season. And now it it gets really interesting and fascinating and being locked into every single one of these NBA games. is going to be just so much fun for the next two and a half months or so. Completely agreed. Uh, Looking forward to talking with you about it and hopefully uh, to all our NBA fan friends out there hearing us get back together and, you know, somewhat unprofessionally on my part, make it through a podcast, uh, enhance, enhance, you know, either got them thinking about stuff or maybe just got them excited, as excited as we are. So, so thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, no problem. And uh, hopefully we uh, make it uh, maybe a little less than six months past the uh, past our next podcast. So uh, hopefully we get a we'll we'll get an opportunity to talk in the coming weeks or so. So thanks, Andrew, for coming back on. And uh, yeah, uh, this is a lot of fun.